Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. Good morning. Don't y'all just love babies? You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm an unusual guy, I think. I, I remember when I was uh, probably 10 or 12 years old, I actually did babysitting. All the girls were doing, but I really loved babies. But anyway, I think God sort of had a plan for me in this area of moms and babies. My wife actually works in the birthing center at the Oak Ridge Hospital, and I, my other job is I'm the director of Choices Resource Center, and we're a pregnancy center. We help girls who, who experience unplanned pregnancies uh, choose life for their baby. We do parenting classes. We do free ultrasounds, and uh, we support them from the time they they conceived the child to their age three. And uh, the center's been open for um, 26 years, and this past year we had our 5,000 client. Every year we have about 120 babies born there. And that's what this bottle is about. We're doing a little fundraiser right now, and there'll be a bottle at the end of the service that you can pick up. But anyway, this past Sunday was a nationally celebrated Sunday called the Sanctity of Human Life. And since Joel was going to be out this week, he said, well, we're going to promote it this week. So I got the whole service. So, well, part of my, part of my job is to talk about the fact that, as the video said, that God creates life but it also to educate you about what's going on in America, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I've got a lot of scripture I'm going to read uh, regarding life and salvation and stuff like that, but I want to do a little bit of education so everyone's in the know. And uh, right now in Knoxville, Tennessee, there's two abortion clinics, and as many as 1,000 abortions are done in Knoxville, Tennessee. One's right across from the girls' dorm at UT, about a half mile from, from, back, from a children's hospital. The other one's Planned Parenthood. It's in East Knoxville. So in Tennessee, between eight and 10,000 abortions every year. And across America, over 850,000 abortions. And the, since Roe v. Wade was passed 47 years ago, 61 million American babies have died. This past year, uh, actually 17 to 18, Planned Parenthood is only one of the abortion companies they did 332,000 abortions, and they received $500 million from the federal government to do that. So I'm going to just put that aside now. you got the information, uh, what, what our role is in another ministry downtown called Hope. We basically are there for the moms to help them achieve life. Now, we don't manipulate. We don't coerce. We educate. We show them these videos. We show their baby, and we help them overcome their fears. And not everyone chooses life, unfortunately. But uh, we don't condemn them. In fact, there's probably people in this room that have had abortions before. And uh, you've got the pain of that. And we partner with a ministry called Deeper Still. And we take women and men on a retreat to sort of get healing and overcome the hurt from that. So anyway, God loves you and God forgives. And uh, I don't know the circumstances that cause you to choose that, but it's Terrific, and I apologize for if you have to go through that. So uh, now let's get into the actual scripture part of the message. Uh, 
And the most famous unplanned pregnancy had to do with Jesus Christ himself. Now, many of you know that Mary was probably 14 or 15, and she was engaged to Joseph, and she found herself pregnant. Now, in that society, and similar to this society, uh, girls in that situation were shunned. In fact, Joseph was such in shock because he knew they hadn't slept together, so he, he said, she must be unfaithful to me. And he actually, the scripture says that he was going to put her away. And uh, the Holy Spirit had already come to her and told her she was going to have a baby. And finally, the, the uh, uh, angel came to him as well and said, look, Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she will receive Jesus Christ. So the girls that, that come into my center in Hope downtown and centers around the country, they're like this. They're in sort of panic mode, and they need help. But I want to, I want to read something because part of the debate is when does life begin? And Jesus himself has an experience I want you to read. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. It says, A few days later, Mary hurried to a hill country of Judea, in a town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he had said. Now, the interesting thing is that the baby inside Elizabeth was actually John the Baptist. And John the Baptist became the foreteller of Christ, and uh, he actually was the voice in the wilderness crying out that the Messiah has come. So this is one example in the Bible that shows that life begins inside the womb. Um, but one, the most famous scripture, which some of the scriptures on there, is the next one, Psalm 139. And uh, the, the scripture way down in there, it says that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made, but I wanted to read the whole part, first one through eight, because it's got a lot of deep stuff in it. Because my focus today is not only to recognize that life begins at conception, that all life is precious, all life is, sanct is, is of the sanctity of God, but not only human life and earthly life, but eternal life. And we're going to get to that point where I want us to focus on the fact that everyone, God wants to have eternal life. So, before we get into that, I want to read this Psalm 139, and it's a powerful psalm. Verse 1, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. You realize that God places his hand of blessing on you. Today, he wants to touch you in a special way with his blessing. I ask you to receive that for yourself. All right, next verse. It says, um, 
Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You know, even when we don't feel it, God's presence is with us. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, you're still there. Let's skip down to verse 23. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, one of the, I want to make a correction. My wife informed me that I said find, finding financial freedom, but I'm finding freedom in Christ. And this is one of the scriptures that I want to study. If you take my class on Sunday night, finding freedom in your life of overcoming anxiety. In fact, it says this one right here, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. So the Lord wants us to be free from all that. But the fact that he's, his hand is on you, he formed you in your mother's womb, He's recorded every day of your life. His thoughts of you are good. And there's so many that they outnumber the sands of the sea. It's amazing. All right, the next scripture is a very unique scripture. When you think of the word masterpiece, what do you think of? A great work of art or a sculpture or something that's just like incredible, it's too hard to describe. Well, this is what God says about you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned long ago. How many of you, when you look in the mirror, you're not very happy? You see all your flaws, right? I may have told this story before, but I'll tell it again, but it's, it's a funny story. I have, a, I have a daughter, she's 32, and we're, we're really close. And in fact, my grandson, her youngest son is three years old today. He's in Boston, but anyway, I remember when I was, take, I was raising my daughter, and I wanted to be a good dad, and I wanted her to have good self-esteem. And I read this book about how to build a young girl's self-esteem. So we began to play this game. She was probably three or four years old. And it was a game called I Love Myself. And I would put her up on the bathroom 
counter where she could see her whole self, and we had a big mirror, and we played this game, and we said, I love myself so much till we finally cracked it laughing. Now, that may sound silly, but many of you ladies and a lot of you guys, you don't even want to go to the mirror because you, you beat yourself up and Satan gives you lies. You need to rebuke Satan in Jesus' name and say, I love myself because Jesus is in my heart and I want to do my best to serve him every day. See, many of the promises, many of the teachings of God are for, well, all the teachings of God are for you. But what happens is we don't think they're for us because Satan lies to us. The Lord wants us to speak these truths out loud that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're complex. We're in a masterpiece. And we want to receive them for ourselves. So you might want to put some of these down, go in front of the mirror, cite a few things to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Build yourself up. Because the Lord loves you and he adores you. And you're his daughter and you're his son. And his hand is on your head giving you a blessing. Okay. We've got all that down now, right? Y'all got that down? <laughs> you got your assignment? So why do you think the Lord has saved you? Because besides the fact that he loves you dearly and you're, you're, you're his creation, his masterpiece, you're his daughter, his son, why do you think God's, God's created you? Well, he's created you for the plans, it says on there, but he also created you to be a witness, to be a disciple. And that's going to be my big challenge for you today. You know, God's given us Instructions. Instructions are Matthew 28, 18 through 20. What does it say? You are called to lead others to Christ. Okay, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given you authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you may say, well, that's the preacher's job or that's the pastor's or the missionary's. But no, this is for all of us who are believers. And the Lord wants to empower you to be that person to share the gospel. You know, the greatest gift you can share with someone is the gift of eternal life. It's like that, that, that famous story about, you know, what, if, what would you do if you had the cure to a, a deadly disease? Would you hold that cure? No, you would you'll share it when you would give it away. Well, that's, we have the cure for the disease of sin. We have Jesus Christ. We have the gospel. So be brave and share the gospel. The next one is sort of the same, same thing, Mark 16. It says, then he told him, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes is baptized and be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe is condemned. So the Lord has given you a task to be his follower, to be his disciple, to be a worshiper, but also to be as witness and share the gospel. You know, the Lord's, the next part, the Lord wants everybody to be saved. Did you know that? Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and people are waiting to hear about him, to give their life to him. But there's scripture in Ephesians, first, Second Peter 3 that I'm going to read, because There'll come a time when it'll be the end of the time, time, but right now God's patient with us. So let's read this. 2 Timothy 3, it says, 
But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. So he, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. See, Jesus wants, God wants everybody to be saved. But there's a warning. But the day of the Lord will come as unspectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will all disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found in, de in desire and deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, but holy and godly lives, you should live. Look, looking forward to the day of God hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, to happen make every effort to be found living peaceful lives with pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, the Lord's patience gives time to be saved. So I want you to think about it for a few moments. Do you know people that don't know Jesus? Do you have a burden to share the love and grace and salvation with them? Well, my prayer is that God will give you at least one person. And this year you will be part of leading that person to Christ. And I want you to think about it. What if every person that attends our service, last, last week we had 468, about 100 of those were kids, so over 350 uh, adults and young adults and teenagers came to the service. What if each one of us led one person to the Lord? That would be incredible. And I think we'd have a revival. Well, the Lord wants to do that. He wants you to lead at least one person to the Lord. But you may say, well, you know, Tim, that's really not me. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. You know, I don't, I'm not good at sort of talking about that stuff. Well, do you know what happened to you? Because someone shared the love of Jesus with you. They cared about you that much. You just need to tell your story. This is the way I was before God, and I came to God, and now my life's this way. I'm, I'm not perfect, but I know where I'm going, and I know my, my Savior lives, and he's, he's working in my life to be, help me be the best person I can be. So that's your story. We sang that, this is my story. That's a good song for this message. The Lord's given you a story, and that's your story to share with someone. They may not. You know, say, well, I don't like the Bible. I say, well, maybe they don't need to, they, they, do, they need to believe the Bible, but maybe that's not the starting place. Maybe the starting place is, this is what I used to believe, but now I know because Jesus touched my heart. But I want to give you a, a few tools. And there's a tool that I've been using for many years, and uh, I'm not trying to brag, but God gives me these opportunities. People come to my office for counseling or either at choices or uh, through marriage counseling or premarital counseling. And I, after a short period of time, I realized their biggest problem is they, they're not saved. And what I do is what I'm going to do right now. I open up the Bible just like this, and I turn to these scriptures, and I let them read it. They read it out loud, 
out of their own mouth, listen to their ears. And God, God saved many of them. Or at least he opened their eyes. All right, the first one. Romans 3.23. This is the Roman road to salvation. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody. Romans 3.23. The next one is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, free gift of eternal life is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we deserve to die, Romans 3, because of sin, but God's given us a free gift of eternal life through Christ. And in Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So that's all the premonition. Now, the verse that gives them a revelation once they realize that they're a sinner, that Jesus is a free gift. It tells you what to do. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I want you to really focus in on this verse because this is a powerful verse and it's got some significant things in it. Verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him the dead, you will be saved. For it is believing in your heart that you may write with God and is openly declaring that your faith, in your faith that you're saved. So this is a simple tool. Realize you're, you're a sinner and profess Jesus Christ. Not just Savior, but Lord. You know, one of the things I've learned helping people in the church is a lot of people who grew up in church, maybe they said a prayer when they were 7, 8, 9, 10, vacation Bible school, whenever, and they were afraid that, you know, the preacher was talking about this place called hell, and you don't want to go there, and then you're like, no, I don't want to do that. So you go to the altar, and you pray a prayer, and they say, well, just ask Jesus to be your Savior, and ask him to forgive your sins, and that's, that is a good thing, but this right here goes a little bit further because it says, declare Jesus is Lord. Now let me talk into that a little bit. When Jesus is the true Lord of your life, that means he has everything. He's in complete control. He's always your Savior, but you have to choose him to be the Lord of your life. And let me explain. I've made a, I made a sort of a thing that I do with God because I'm a sinful man, and I have my flesh, and I get my buttons pushed. And sometimes I don't act like a Christian. So what I do is I say, Lord, I know you're my Savior. But today, I want you to be Lord of my life. And I do this on and on and on. The scripture talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. See, I don't really ever doubt my salvation. In other words, I, I, might, I know that I'm, Jesus Christ is my Savior and I'm going to go to heaven. But... He wants more than that. He wants everything. He wants to be Lord of your life. And um, that's what he's crying out for each one of us. He not only just wants to be your Savior, he is your Savior, but he wants to be Lord. And I think that's going to be a big part of you growing in your faith. And for you to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. So these are the scriptures, very simple. You can memorize them, but I like to open the Bible. And if they have a Bible, I'll ask them to bring it. 
open it up, let them read it out loud and speak it out loud and God moves. All right, the other, the other story is a famous story in John chapter 3. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And it's a story about this guy named Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was a, was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. You know, back in those days, they had to memorize the whole first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine that? That's like 150 pages. And they, they, it was in Hebrew. Of course, they spoke Hebrew. But can you imagine us? You know, we're going to send everybody home. Pastor Joel said, I want everyone to go home. And next week, I want them to have the first five books of the Bible memorized. You know, I'd be failing that right off the bat. <laughs> but this is what Nicodemus did. In order to be a true Pharisee, he had to do that. Well, he started watching Jesus do all these miracles. He wasn't really sure about him, but he said, i got to go talk to this guy. So he snuck out at night so he wouldn't be seen with him. And this is what happened. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. One dark after dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The phrase born again. Now, we, we, we've heard about the word being saved. We sort of know that, that but then Jesus throws this new word. Born again. What does born again mean? How do he do that? This is a very, very smart man. And he says, sort of says the same thing. Verse 4. What do you mean? Explained Nicodemus. How can an old man go back in his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure thee, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So it's talking about a spiritual rebirth when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your life. And this is sort of my take on the Holy Spirit. Just like my teaching a few months back when I talked about receiving God's unconditional love. It's like we need to continually receive God's love. We continue to receive his Holy Spirit because it sort of leaks out of us. And we need a refilling of his love and his presence and his power. So the Lord wants to continue to refill you with his Holy Spirit. Verse 7. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you hear the wind but can't tell where it's going or where it's from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born by the Spirit. How are these things, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish leader and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what you know and have seen, and you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Jesus is actually talking about himself. As, a, as Moses lifted up a bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so much the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. He's talking about a premonition that happened in the Old Testament where Jesus would go on a cross. The serpent on a pole was a symbolism of what Christ would do on the cross when he went uh, on the cross. 
And it says, everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, this is the famous verse, the next one. We all have heard it before. We've seen it on billboards. We've seen it at ball games with you know, John 3.16. Now we're going to read it. Many of you memorized it. In fact, I memorized it different from what, what's on this paper. But anyway, I'm going to read it. For this is how, God, how much God loves us. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How many of you knew that Jesus actually said this about himself? If you have a Bible and it's got red letters in it, this is in the red. So many people, when I share this with them and we open the Bible and read it, they don't realize, Jesus said that? Yeah. He's talking about himself. Pretty cool. Powerful verse. He goes on to say this. God sent his son to the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgments against anyone who believes him, but anyone who does not believe him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. The judgment is based on this. God's light came to the world, but people love the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. You know, when I was a young person, I remember my mom always telling me, and I, you know, I grew up in church, and I was in youth group, and went on youth trips, and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes I would get tempted or strayed away. And my mom, who's a very smart, devout Christian woman and a prayer warrior, she would always say, Tim, you know, I might not see it, but God sees everything. God knows everything. And a lot of the stuff that I shouldn't have done was sort of, sort of in the dark because I know what knew what. No one would ever find out. Well, God sees everything, right? So as you're sharing the gospel with someone, you can talk about the fact that part of your journey was you were in the dark. And you, you came to the light because Jesus touched you. All right, I'm going to go back to verse 18 and read again. The judgment is based on this. God's light came to the world, but people love the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. For those who do what is right come to light so others can see what they're, that they're doing what God wants. So, all of us, the Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows how to tempt us, how to get in the dark, how to go to the dark. And the Lord wants us to stay in the light. That's the reason it's great to have accountability to have another Christian brother or sister talk to you. Say, how's your, how, how's your, how's your thought life? How's your, your eyes? What are you looking at on the computer? Who are you talking to? Kids, who are you Snapchatting with? What are you saying on there? Because Satan knows those things. But the Lord wants us to have everything in the light. So, that's your scripture. The Roman road, John 3. The story of Nicodemus and Jesus about being born again and your personal story. I challenge you this year, find one person, share the gospel. How many of you know somebody who's lost that needs Jesus? Anybody? Everybody? Everybody. So imagine this. In 2020, the Lord puts on your heart to lead someone to Jesus you follow through, you share these things with him, them or her, you pray with them, 
and they come to church with you and they say, I want to get saved and baptized. Amazing things happen. God can do this. He wants to use you. Step out in faith. Let him use you. All right, well, the, pra the praise team is going to come up and, and pl play the last song, and we're going to pray before, I, before they come up, and we're going to pray for your person. And if you'd like to come to the altar during this worship time to pray specifically for your person or persons, I want you to do that. Okay, and at the end, after they're completely done, and we'll come back up here, I've got a video that I want to show you uh, that's about my ministry, and then we're going to pass out these balls at the end of service, so. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray right now as a, parent, as a man comes up. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have saved us. We thank you that you have called us out of darkness in the light. We thank you, Lord, that you created us in your mother's womb. That you have plans for us to use us and you want us to share the gospel with others. So I just pray that you will give us a true burden and we will share our story of love and grace with that person or many persons. And Lord, for those in this room that may not have ever really made Jesus Christ their Lord, I pray that they will not only claim you as Savior, but they will be Lord of their life. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing, how you're drawing people here. And I pray that every person who has someone on their heart, that they will reach out and share that love and grace and salvation with that person. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.